Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes. Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air. Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And today, could the ghosts of children that died in a mill haunt a local bar on the same site? A listener believes her deceased mother is just saying hi with the aid of a Sesame Street toy. We have a lot of those around here. Uh If a home sounds too good to be true, it's probably haunted. And a family is harassed for a decade before they decide to move from their haunted home, only to find their new home is haunted too. Wah, wah. <laughs> Sorry, try again. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. I wasn't laughing at the fact that they move from one haunted home to another, but more your wah, wah. <laughs> it's like, sorry, this house is haunted too. I wouldn't uh, want that. I would hate to be like in the house at the moment where they realize that, you know, oh, this one's haunted too. Because they probably had it all built up thinking, okay, we're getting away. We're finally getting away. This one is going to break the spell. It's going to break the track record. And all of a sudden, oh, shit, the cat's possessed by a spirit again. And the moment that they find this out, she captures in the story. And really? it's just, you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I can't wait. I'm excited about that. Lots of fun stories tonight. Our number is 855-853-4802. You can call that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and leave your real ghost story there for us. Or, of course, you can also write in on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you want more ghost stories, can't get enough, and you have the urge to support our show, which we hope you do, we hope you enjoy it, uh, please become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Five bucks a month. Get you access to all those bonus episodes and some exclusive video content and you get the satisfaction knowing you're keeping our show on the air. So check that out. Uh, Before we get into the stories tonight, I wanted to uh, read you this article that uh, someone sent us about uh, a little boy and uh, his his family or his mother's thought that he may be reincarnated. Okay. And, you know, just kind of the the ghostliness of that whole thing. Because we talk about that a lot on the show of... Sure. How does, how do they, how does a child have knowledge of such things? So uh-huh. I thought this was an interesting read. I haven't gone all the way through it. I wanted to kind of save some of it just for, you know, reading live on the air here. Uh, but it's uh, from a uh, TV station, uh, KUSA, and I'm just reading verbatim uh, their work. So uh, it says, It's not unusual for little boys to have vivid imaginations, but Ryan's stories were truly 
legendary. His mother, Cindy, said it all began with horrible nightmares when he was four years old. Then, when he was five years old, he confided in her one evening before bed. Hey, he said, Mom, I have something I need to tell you. She told Today, I used to be somebody else. The preschooler would then talk about going home to Hollywood and would cry for his mother to take him there. His mother said she would tell stories about meeting stars like Rita Hayworth, traveling overseas on lavish vacations, dancing on Broadway, and working for an agency where people would change their names. She said her son even recalled that the street he lived on had the word rock in it. His stories were so detailed and they were so extensive that it just wasn't like a child could have made it up, she said. Cindy said she was raised Baptist and had never really thought about reincarnation. So she decided to keep her son's memories a secret, even from her own husband. Privately, she checked out books about Hollywood from the local library, hoping something inside would help her son make sense of his strange memories and help her son cope with his sometimes troubling memories. Then we found the picture and it changed everything, she said. That photo in one of the books from the library was a publicity shot from the 1932 movie Night After Night starring Mae West in her film debut. She turns the page in the book and I say, that's me, that's who I was, Ryan remembers. Cindy said she was shocked and only more confused because the man Ryan pointed to was an extra in the film with no spoken lines. But finally, she had a face to match to her son's strange memories, giving her the courage to ask someone for help. That someone was Dr. Jim Tucker, M.D., at the Bonner Lawrie Associate Professor of Psychiatry and Neurobehavior Sciences at the University of Virginia. The child psychiatrist has spent more than a decade studying cases of children, usually between the ages of two and six years old, who say they remember a past life. In his book, Return to Life, Tucker details some of the American cases he studied over the years, including Ryan's. These cases demand an explanation, Tucker said. We can't just write them off and explain them away as just some sort of normal cultural thing. Tucker's office contains the files of more than 2,500 children, cases accumulated from all over the world by his predecessor, Ian Stevenson. Stevenson, who died in 2007, began investigating the strange phenomena back in 1961. It kept detailed interviews and evidence on each case. Tucker has painstakingly coded the handwritten files, discovering intriguing patterns. For instance, 70% of the children say they died violent or unexplained deaths in their previous lives. And males account for 73% of those deaths, mirroring the statistics of those who die of unnatural causes in the general population. There'd be no way to orchestrate that statistic with over 2,000 cases, Tucker said. Tucker said the majority of children he's investigated say they remember... Uh, average lives. Rarely do they claim memories of someone famous. He said Ryan's case is one of his most unusual because of the incredible detail he was able to provide. Tucker, with help from researchers working on a documentary, tried to identify the man Ryan pointed to in the book about Hollywood. After weeks of research, a film archivist combing through original production materials for the movie Night After Night was able to confirm who he was. His name? Marty Martin, a former movie extra who later became a powerful Hollywood agent and died in 1964. If you look at a picture of a guy with no lines in a movie and then tell me about his life, I don't think many of us would have come up with Marty Martin's life, Tucker said. Yet Ryan provided many details that really did fit with his life. 
After digging through old records, almost none of them available on the internet, and tracking down Martin's own daughter, Tucker, was able to confirm 55 details Ryan gave about his life. Turns out Martin wasn't just a movie extra, just as Ryan said. He'd also danced on Broadway, traveled overseas to Paris, and worked at an agency where stage names were often created for new clients. Tucker also discovered Ryan's claim that he lived on the street with the word rock in it. It was nearly spot on. Martin lived at 825 North Roxbury Drive in Beverly Hills. Tucker was also able to confirm other obscure facts Ryan gave, how many children Martin had, how many times he was married, even how many sisters he had. While Martin's own daughter grew up thinking her father had just one sister, Tucker was able to confirm he actually had two, again, just as Ryan claimed. Dr. Tucker's research is not without critics. When his work was recently featured on the University of Virginia magazine, some readers shared their outrage in the comments section. One reader wrote, he was appalled that this kind of work is being done at a university. Another called Tucker's research pseudoscience. Tucker said he's only trying to apply the rules of science to the mystery of reincarnation. Even with Ryan's case, there was one fact the detailed obsessed scientist thought the little boy had wrong. He said he didn't see why God would let you get to be 61 and then make you come back as a baby, Tucker said. That statement seemed to be incorrect because Martin's death death certificate listed his age as 59 years old when he died. But as Tucker dug deeper, he was able to uncover census records showing Martin was, in fact, born in 1903 and 1905, meaning Ryan's statement, not his official death certificate, was indeed correct. Now that Ryan is 10 years old, he said his memories of Marty Martin's life are fading, which Dr. Tucker said is typical as children get older. Ryan said while he's glad he had the experience, he's also happy to put or he's also happy to move on and just to be a kid. That's incredible. There you go. That is just absolute, absolutely incredible. I don't think it gets any more, you know, detailed than that. Just, I thought it's interesting because, like I said, we've talked about it so many times. This is just a good account with facts linked in, not just, oh, I think I did this or that, you know, fully yeah. relatable back to real life. Well, and I think it's completely within reason to study that at a university i mean sure. why not if you can document everything and it's not just well you know yeah it's not like it's just well let's see what happens and no. take these people's words for granted i mean i'm sure people looked at you know the, the study of medicine as you know kind of bizarre at some point too why do that when you have all these wonderful leeches in this other room you know sure <laughs> or these exorcists that can take the, the evil spirits out of you well and i'm sure they had to do quite a bit of digging to find out these facts so it's not something that like the parents could have staged a hoax and easily found all this information on this person yeah it's there's just far too many cases out there like this um that they they certainly bear looking into because there's some sort of phenomena that goes on (laughs) whether people want to believe it or not it happens and there's a lot of it out there so very very interesting stuff that was good i'm glad you read the whole whole article and didn't just give us you know a overview on it (laughs) it was really well put together. I really enjoyed that. It was uh, it was a good one. So uh, that was, again, from uh, KUSA. I want to cite their work because they're the ones who put the whole thing together. It was just me reading it. So, yeah. But uh, good stuff there. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. I apologize if you hear intermittent coughing in the background for me this evening uh, as allergy season is in full swing. Are you going to gripe about this every episode? I'm just letting people know. 
Just letting them know so when they hear weird hacking or sniffling, it's not an EVP. But if you play it in reverse, it does say crazy things. Just saying. I got nothing. It does. Keely writes in, hi, Jenny and Tony. I have quite a few ghost stories. This one worked in a pub that was on the second floor of old cotton mill, of an old cotton mill where children once worked and died. I'll give you a quick clue on the setup of the place. It was up a set of stairs and you had to buzz into the bar to be let in and the door was on CCTV. So we could see who was coming. Then, on coming through the door, there was a big children's ball uh, pool area on your left, which was in a separate room to the bar. The ball pool was uh, quite old, and it used to have electrical items in there that would repeat a set of statements or growl as one of the things was a castle and a ghost. Anyway, these had broken years back and had been disconnected and not replaced. Then continuing past the uh, ball pool, you entered the bar, and just off the bar was a snooker hall with eight full-size snooker tables and one American pool table. At the time I worked there, I smoked. This is illegal to do in a workplace, so usually I worked as a uh, trusted patron to watch the bar while I nipped nipped onto the fire escape for a cig. One day, it was late, about 9.30 p.m., and the bar was empty, and I was bored. So I thought I would stand down at the end of the snooker hall and have a cig. I could see the CCTV monitor from where I stood in case anyone arrived and wanted to come in. As I was smoking, I felt a gentle poke in the base of my back, just above my bum. I put this down to a muscle spasm and didn't pay much heed. A moment or so after, I distinctly felt tug three times in the back of my shirt, like a child trying to get an adult's attention. This freaked me, and I ran for the bar. The other things that happened happened to staff and patrons alike. One involved another quiet day where a family of mother, father, and five-year-old son arrived and the parents sat at the bar and the boy merely went to play in the ball pool. From the bar, the parents could see into the ball pool and glanced occasionally to check and see if their son was okay. After about an hour, the small boy came running into the bar asking his parents where the other boy had gone. At this family, or as this family was the only people at the bar, the mother asked, What? The child then said the boy he was playing with in the ball pool. He's disappeared. The parents were a little confused, but ignored it and played it down for the boy. I, all this time, had been checking the monitor, and as no one can enter the bar or ball pool without buzzing in first, no one had come in. Another incident happened to a college kid who had done the late shift one night and having finished, locked up and drove home. But she realized she'd left her mobile in the bar and needed it for her day job. So she got back in her car, drove back to the bar, unlocking the door she entered the long corridor which runs parallel to the ball pool towards the bar. And as she did this, she heard children playing in the dark ball pool laughing and the electrical items making noise like they used to. She ran to the bar, grabbed her phone and ran out. She left very shortly afterwards. The items in the ball pool would randomly make the noises, so I learned to say good night to the children as I turned off the lights and left the ball pool. This seemed to ease the creepy atmosphere a bit as so much was happening to so many. I called in a medium friend of mine and asked the other staff members if they would join in, and after hours, we locked the outer doors to prevent being disturbed by the late-night hopeful drunks. We started by the evening by having a tour of the place. After a while, we stopped, had a drink, and a cheeky cig at the bar. 
I personally have a few OCDs. One included putting my uh, backy tin in my back pocket with my lighter always on the left side of the tin. This will make sense after our break. We went into a rarely used function room to have a seance with the medium. We stood in the circle, holding hands, and the medium began. As she began, I could feel and hear a constant tapping on my backy tin. This continued through this throughout the seance. This was fairly uneventful. Then we went for another break. As we turned to leave the room, I reached behind to get my tin out and found my lighter half out of my pocket and on the wrong side of the tin. This was funny and scary at the same time and resulted in me laughing and saying out loud, If you wanted a cig, you just needed to ask. The rest of the night was fairly uneventful other than photographing a lady with a top bun and high shoulders dressed in Victorian garb in silhouette. Unfortunately, a divorce and several house moves have uh, waylaid this picture, but I hope to recover it at some point. Anyway, love the show. Have lots of stories and we'll submit them. And when I, as I get time, keep up the good work. I'm kind of glad that any kids that died in that building, they have the ball pool to play with because it sounds like they really enjoy it. You know, just little happy noises. It doesn't sound like anything too threatening, but definitely, you know, it's going to creep you out whether it's kids or what you know whatever's there it's an interesting mix for a, a restaurant it kind of sounds like a broken down showbiz pizza with liquor <laughs> you know <laughs> i thought it was kind of a nice idea to be able to sit back and have a drink and watch your kids play happily sure i mean i could see that for like uh that could kind of work as like a like an applebee's-esque concept you know a bar and grill and you know, yeah. where it's a family-friendly bar and grill sure you know there's nothing wrong with that it's interesting to see uh, having a ball tank. Uh, I, 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 for a while, I was trying to think, ball pool, ball. Oh, I always called them ball tanks. And you see them fewer and fewer times or around these days. I always call them ball pit. Ball pits? Mm-hmm. I call them ball tanks. Okay. Same difference. Yeah. Yeah. They seem like in the uh, the 90s, they were kind of popping up everywhere. Uh-huh. And then they all kind of went away. I wonder, they must, those could not have been easy to keep clean. No. Because I remember like towards the end of childhood, when you'd go into one of those things, <laughs> you'd like remember like it being all pristine when they were brand new. It's like, oh, it's awesome. And then, you know, eight years in, you're like, oh, this is kind of gross. There's like hair and the balls are all like brown. Yeah. <laughs> they were once yellow. It's like, what happened here? <laughs> no, I'm I'm just betting that it's just the, the ghosts of the kids that used to work there. Sure. I don't know that, you know... I bet the the ghost of the lady, the Victorian lady, had something to do with the mill as well. Sure. You know, because Victorian era was towards the end of when you could, you know, it, it have children working in factories. Sure. That stopped, at least in the U.S. I'm assuming it did other places, too, around the same time, except for some of the places where sweatshops, unfortunately, still exist. Yeah. I wonder if she's kind of like the nanny of the uh, the ghost kids. Maybe. It's like, okay, ghost kids, time to go play in the ball tank. Can someone summon these uh, toys that are broken down to start lighting up again? That's neat. I wonder yeah. how that happens, how they can make that happen. I wonder if it's just like it's an electrical short, meaning like you can't get you know power somewhere along the line to the items. But if they can power the items directly without the need of that electrical line going into a wall, they suddenly work again. Yeah. That's probably how they function. It's neat. 
It is neat. And so I'm just, I have all these creepy pictures in my mind of kind of old broken down things from some of the places I went as a kid. There was, um, there was a roller rink I went to. And it was kind of a scuzzy roller rink, but most roller rinks kind of are. Yeah. <laughs> and they had um, some of the animatronic characters from the Rock of Fire explosion. Oh, yeah. Which was the, the Showbiz Pizza, and others may, may know it as Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, but Showbiz was one of the, the beforehand, it was actually was a competitor at once, but they were the originators of the animatronic show. And before then, Chuck E. Cheese bought him out, and all those old, old ones got sold off to different places. There were some at this roller rink. And it was kind of sad. It was, they, they didn't quite work right, uh-huh. but the roller rink would still turn them on for birthday parties. And they didn't, like, really sync up to any sort of music. <laughs> they, just, they just kind of turn them on and then play music out of the DJ booth. Uh-huh. So these things would just kind of move out of sync to everything, and it looked like their mouths were just kind of moving even when there was nothing going on. And, like, some of their arms didn't really work. So, like, was my like, a gimpy arms or, like, one had an eye that was stuck shut. It was, like, it was kind of creepy. Okay. Their fur was kind of dark and stained. Cre- creepy animatronics. I yeah. have I have one that I think is probably the creepiest thing I've ever seen. It's at Disney. Yeah? There is a thing with these animatronic bears called the Country Bear Jamboree. Sure. And it's one of those things that some people really like it. Other people just go there to kill time until the next fast pass is ready and there is a bear and i kid you not he sings a song about blood (laughs) this weird bear singing about like blood on the floor and blood on the wall it's weird i'm sure there's a youtube video of it someplace i'll have to show you what is he referring to like eating people i think so but i'm not real sure it's always fun to, uh, mommy, we got blood. Yeah, it's just weird. It's a lot of questions that uh, you have to answer. I, I'll have to look that one up. There's, there's some bizarre things that go on there. Yeah. Check that out. 855-853-4802 is our number. Kelly writes in, my husband and I moved into a brand new home, which we built in 2003. Our daughter was 18 months old at the time. Set up the formal dining room as a playroom for her. One of her favorite toys was a Sesame Street alphabet poster. It was electronic, and when you pressed a letter, one of the characters would say the letter which had been pressed. Not long after he moved in, the poster developed a strange glitch. Every day at around the same time, usually when my daughter was napping, the poster would go off. It would repeat the letter T over and over until I turned the power off. The next day when my daughter wanted to play, I'd turn it back on and it would work just fine. This went on for a couple of weeks. One day a friend of mine... Uh, and I were uh, watching the Montel Williams show. His guest was the psychic Sylvia Brown. During the show, she told an audience member that spirits like to play with children's electronic toys. My friend who had witnessed the glitch in the poster joked that I probably had a ghost in the house. I laughed and said it must be my mother. My mother passed away in 1998. Her name was Terry. The next afternoon, my daughter was sitting in her high chair having a snack while I stood at the sink, rinsing a few dishes. The poster started going off again. T, T, T. I sighed and remembered my friend's joke and said aloud, Mom, that's really annoying. Knock it off and go play with your granddaughter. And it stopped. I went to the playroom and pressed every letter on the poster. It was working perfectly. The glitch never happened again. I think she figured it out. Yeah, I think she was sitting there trying to manipulate that one until she figured out what was going on and recognized it. 
Yeah. Mom was like, okay, you know I'm here. Yeah. I'm going to go haunt your child now. <laughs> they just wanted that recognition. Just so they knew. Mm-hmm. It's a, a good thing. I think I'd want my kids to know, too, if I was in that situation. And you would literally be pressing T. Over and over. Yeah. I think I'd probably start spelling other fun words, though, too. It'd be like B, O, O, B. You know, just really funny things. <laughs> P, O, O, P. That's good. And they know, oh, it's dad. Yeah. He's spelling naughty words. He's not any more mature in death as he was in life. <laughs> Bees. Or is it Bez? I think it's Bez. Bez? Okay. Bez writes in. There are a lot of ghost stories I'd like to share, but I'll start with the most recent and work my way backwards. My disclaimer is that I'm a sensitive, so weird things seem to happen to me a lot. In no way does this mean I'm used to it. I currently live in an apartment complex. This complex has been here for years. It was here when my mom, as a teenager, worked at the convenience store nearby. I'm in my 30s. To put this in perspective, not long after I moved in, odd things began happening. One night I was getting ready to go outside to have a cigarette, but when I reached for my cigarette pack, it slid away from me. I began crying because it really startled me. I was almost, it was almost as if the pack was yanked back right before I put my hand on it. I really did need a cigarette after that. After that, I began hearing footsteps above my room at night. I live on the top floor. There's nothing up there. There aren't any trees or shrubbery nearby, so there's no way any big animal could get up there and stomp around. Next, there were random awful smells. At first, I chalked this up to my neighbors. I thought that maybe they just didn't like to clean. But as time went on, the smells were sometimes so awful that I knew no living being could ever generate that kind of stench. Finally, I had a nightmare about a demon in my child's room. In my nightmare, my child was asleep and my friend saw a ghost in my child's room as she was walking by. She was definitely freaked out. So I checked in on my child and I saw that it wasn't a ghost at all. It was a demon. I was too terrified to even rescue my child. I decided that I needed to do something. I have a couple sets of rosary beads and I placed them on the doorways. I burned myrrh incense for three days and nights. And I prayed that all negative energy and spirits would leave my home. Since then, it seems that whatever was bothering us moved to our neighbor's apartment. I still hear footsteps above my room from time to time, and I have heard scratching in the wall that connects our apartments. The other night, I was woken up at three-something in the morning to the sound of a child talking and giggling. I thought maybe my child was awake or laughing in their sleep. That happens from time to time, and yes, I was creeped out the first time it happened. But my child was in a deep sleep. I stayed awake to listen for a while, maybe to catch if it happened again, but it didn't. And I fell back to sleep. That last instance didn't seem to have the same vibe as my previous experiences. I felt like this was more of a playful spirit, maybe the one that took my pack of cigarettes away from me. Anyway, thank you for letting me share my experience. I enjoyed listening to your show and hearing about other people's experiences. Okay, I wonder how often... There's a haunting, and there's a legitimate reason that that place is haunted. And then somebody does something like Bez did here Mm -hmm. and kind of casts them out. And she said that it went to the neighbor's apartment. Musical ghosts. Well, I'm wondering, there's a lot of times where people are like, this place hasn't been haunted. All of a sudden, there's something going on. If it's just been a displaced ghost that's taken up residence 
you know, essentially somebody kind of passing through that's become a squatter. I think probably quite often. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think there's a such thing as helping some ghosts move on to another side of other than being a ghost. Um, but I think sometimes they're simply ridding them of the current physical environment that they're inhabiting, but they're still stuck in that same physical plane that they were in. They just got to find a new place to live. Essentially, you evicted them. Yeah. You evicted them. Now, it's not all... I mean, I think that happens with human ghosts, and I think it also certainly happens with not human ghosts as well. Sure. So, it's interesting. I think more so... Um, the demon ones are interesting because those can actually be somewhat tracked by some of the names and where they pop up around the world, where people are saying they're communicating or hearing or it's identifying itself in different places. Uh, sometimes at the same time, sometimes at different times. That's totally bizarre and creepy and something I never want to experience. But uh, it's interesting to me when you have like this where it's like a child or a family or something like that. Just, oh, well, looks like I got to go to the next department over. And what do you do? I mean, are, are you are you still relegated to be on that general piece of property? How far can you move? I think it's probably just kind of up to them. I would assume that they would want to go to like the next closest place. Yeah. And stay with what's familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Thank you for writing in and sharing that story with us. Leah writes in. Hello, my name is Leah. I'm from Newfoundland, Canada. It's Newfoundland? Sorry, Newfoundland. What? That's how you say it. We've had this discussion before. I know, but I've always said Newfoundland since I was a child, so it's one of those things I have to break. Well, and you're in the, your 30s now, so you can say it the right way, like Newf- a big boy. New, Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Okay. No, just Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Yeah. Okay. Can you give like an electric shock thing to me, like on the I'm beginning of Ghostbusters? To. I'm going to taser you every time you say something wrong. <laughs> All kinds of abuse up in here. I'm going to save that little piece of audio right there. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to the show for a few months now, and I'm a big fan. Uh, listening makes house and homework seem like less of a task. I'd like to share one of my stories with you. A little background first. I've had many paranormal encounters. I've always been sensitive to changes in atmosphere and the presence of energies. I grew up in a house that was haunted and have lived in at least two haunted apartments, so it's become a somewhat uh, naturalized part of my life. I'd like to share with you my most recent experience in the house I currently live in. My fiance and I and our two roommates live on the main and top level of the house built around the 1920s. It retains many of its original features with some renovations over the years, splitting into three apartments. It's set back from the road on a slight embankment or embankment flanked by trees. It's a lovely place to live despite some minor leaks. We've lived here since June of last year. I uh, bought some sage when we moved in after a negative experience in our previous apartment, but I never got around to smudging. The house felt comfortable, even though I could feel an energy mostly in the kitchen. My mind reasoned that the house is older and must hold some resonant energy, but I couldn't feel an entity. It began, as it often does, with flashes of light and sometimes shadows out of the corner of my eye. I usually try to find conventional reasons at first car headlights reflections or cat or fatigue the flashes grew more numerous and pronounced into november and december in the past two and a half months there have been three sightings of a figure in the house two of my own and one witnessed by a friend 
The first time I was lying on the couch taking a short nap, I was waking up and reaching for my phone when I saw a pair of eyeglasses grasped by fingers moving through the air as though being carried by someone swinging their arms slightly. I blinked a few times and watched the apparition disappear across the living room. There was no one else in the room with The second sighting, my friends, happened a little over a week ago. He and my roommate were gaming in the upstairs room, came downstairs, entered the dining room, and saw something in black walking into the kitchen as he entered. Thinking it was me, he stared. Uh, uh, he started to greet me as he followed into the kitchen, only to find he was alone. He told me the next morning and seemed shaken, convinced he had seen someone. The third sighting happened last night around 11.30. I was alone in the dining room working on a project. I took a break to have a cigarette... And as I stood in the porch door, which is next to the kitchen, I caught sight of someone in my peripheral vision, standing in the kitchen doorway facing me. The space between us was less than three feet. I probably jumped higher than that. It was gone, which I caught my breath, but I decided it was time to go to bed immediately. That's most of what had happened so far. I admit I'm a bit spooked, but I don't feel threatened. Let me know if you'd like me to keep you updated or if you'd like to hear some more of my experiences. Keep up the great work on the show. All the best. Leah. It sounds like they're getting just a little progressively stronger each time they're showing. So, I don't know. Do you think it has to do with the properties, or do you think it's something that has to do with the person? Mm. Like being followed. I don't know. I think it more so has to do with the property. Yeah. Yeah. Because they told us that they kind of felt something when they got there but not to the point where she actually did the smudging so I think it's probably more that I mean it's hard to differentiate between being followed by a spirit and just being sensitive in general sure because it's really hard unless you have a, a, a way of knowing exactly what who your spirit is that is following you you could just be sensitive and think you're being followed and you're just encountering a lot of different spirits. Time to break out the old Ouija board and find out. No. Uh, no. I'm kidding. No, that's where you get the Sesame Street thing and put it on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the, kind of like, you could probably use the Sesame Street thing the same way. Move Big Bird around and wherever his beak points, that's the letter. Sesame Street Ouija board. ha. <laughs> That, I could see it. Yeah, I could see it, unfortunately. It's a great way the kids can learn their letters and communicate with the dead. Yeah. <laughs> Have it in big, bright colorful letters as quotes on the box. <laughs> communicate with the dead and learn your letters and numbers at the same time. Uh, grow writes in, Hi, my name's Grow, an old Norwegian name that literally means to grow. And in case you wonder, it's a female name. I'm a loyal listener to your wonderful program. I have had some paranormal experiences in my life. But none of them were scary or intimidating, or, well, maybe two of them. I can tell you about them another time, if I may. In any case, I thought I'd tell you about my childhood home. I grew up on an island in northern Norway, and the house we lived in was one of the very oldest in the village. It was previously the Cotter's home of the late 1800s. Did I say that right? I think so, and I don't know what a cotter does. I'm not sure. I wonder if we're, like, distant cousins of some sort. Because my lineage goes back to northern Norway as well. 
Doesn't your mom have cousins yeah, there? Yeah, actually. Well, it's like it's like second or third removed cousins of some oh. sort. But they're there. And I had an aunt that actually went and visited uh-huh. um, like in the 90s. Huh. So, yeah, it's some little, I, I can't think of the names of the towns off the top of my head, but I did find them on Ancestry once. And uh, so, anyway, interesting. I, I tell I tell the girls that we're related to Santa <laughs> because <laughs> it's kind of in the in the neck of the woods, if you will, globally. One of the stories about uh, the house was that one of the previous owners had not been nice to her husband, and that she used to lock him out if she was irritated or angry at him. Oh, that kind of sounds like what you do. Here with Mason. I never lock you out. <laughs> I was about six years old when we moved into the house, the middle child of five, and it was not long before we noticed that there was another person in the family that you could see with the naked eye. But it was never scary, just like an extra person in the home, and we called him Ring uh, Ringnor, the name of the man who had uh, been so badly uh, treated by his wife. When you live in an old wooden house, you learn to recognize all the sounds that may occur, creaking and cracking and mice in the walls, and you know which floorboards and stair steps you have to avoid if you want to sneak up on someone. You learn to recognize each family member's footsteps or movement patterns. It's a clear difference between the house's own sounds and those a person makes. It happened quite often. Then we heard Ringnor upstairs. As we walked around and opened and closed the doors, we could hear him in the stairs, which was visible from the living room. And it was annoying, uh, annoyingly often that some of us went to the front door to see who came because we heard that it was opened and closed. Our interpretation was that he liked us and that he knew that he was welcome in his home. The only room I have no recollection of having heard him in is the kitchen. I was never afraid, don't think anyone in the family was, though my youngest sister did not like to be home alone. Thank you for reading my story and reading through this. It may be a bit long and not scary or sensational in some way. What do you call a haunted house? In a nice way? Haunted? Has a little negative connotation. Thanks for a great program. Grow. I think I'd still call it haunted, but... You just have to clarify whether it's a nice spirit or a not nice spirit. Yeah, haunting's haunting, I think. It's just, you have to, uh, exactly, that's that's exactly right. You have to really kind of define it more. Mm-hmm. And especially with all the variants that we know out there. You know, we were talking today about ghosts, shadow people. Are they the same thing? Are they different? Is it just another way of describing a ghost or an entity? You know, uh-huh. it, there's just so many variants on it. And haunting is kind of like the the top level term that kind of defines all of it, but then to really get it kind of you know, breaks down in a big ghostly family tree. Well, with what she said about Ringnor, mm-hmm. I think it's funny because for one, he seemed to open and close the door, which is something you probably would do if you were locked out on a regular basis is see if that door is open or not, and. He was never in the kitchen, which is probably where the wife was during most of the life. Interesting observation. So I thought that was kind of funny. That's that's probably exactly who it is, knowing those yeah. couple of things. That's uh, that's that's interesting. I agree. I agree. Thank you for sharing uh, that story with us. Really do appreciate that. And let us know what town you're from. I'd I'd be interested in hearing that. Trish writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I've been listening to your show now for a few months. With each episode that you guys post, my courage grew and grew, and I finally worked up the courage 
to share my story. My husband, daughter, and I live in Los Angeles. When my daughter was born, we were living in a one-bedroom apartment. It got to the point where our space was just not big enough for the three of us, so we decided to start looking for a two-bedroom space. In that process of looking, we found several prospects, some from Craigslist and some from just driving around town. We just finished looking at an apartment when we stumbled upon a a for-rent sign outside a house. We called the number listed on the sign and the man that we spoke to so that no one is around to show it uh, to us, but the door is not locked, so we were welcome to look around ourselves. The house had a guest house, which was the one that was actually getting rented out. My husband and I rented the house, looked around from room to room. From the look of the place, it is a very Spanish-style architecture, which is very common in Los Angeles. The apartment was huge. It had two master-sized bedrooms, spacious living room, and the kitchen had a huge arch type of an entrance, which was covered floor to ceiling with Mexican tiles. I told my husband, we are fools if we don't take this place. The neighborhood is great. The rent was unheard of in this part of Los Angeles. It was just too good to be true. With all this commotion, I realized to my horror that I have not seen my three-year-old. As we left the kitchen, I had a full view of the front door and saw my little girl standing outside. I asked her, were you here the entire time? She answered me in a very strange voice that I have never heard from her before. Get out of the house, mommy. Get out of the house. I wonder if it was like that. Probably something close, but not quite. I don't remember how fast we got out of that place. So fast that I don't remember even getting into our car. We were all in sort of a trance. I've never been so scared in my life. I wish there was a way to erase that memory from my head. From time to time, my husband and I would talk about that incident, and it still gives me the chills. My daughter is now nine years old. We ended not taking that place for obvious reasons. We moved into a two-bedroom apartment and lived there for a few years until we've also outgrown that since we've added two dogs into our family. We're currently living in a house with a ton of space for both dogs and humans, but have another story to tell about this specific street that we have moved into. It's a street where an infamous murder happened 40 years ago and finally accepted the fact that my daughter might have the sixth sense gift. Let me know, please, if you would like me to write in about this. I love your show, and I'm a proud EPP. I think so. I think go ahead and write in about... The street where the murder occurred. Yeah. That could be good. I want to hear. I want to hear. I also think if your child is past the age of throwing hissy fits to the point where like you offer them a cookie and they throw a fit saying no because they have no reasoning. If they're past that stage and they're saying things like that, like don't rent this place or whatever, I would listen to them. In spooky evil voices? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a a window there where you can't get a straight answer about anything from them. But from about three, three and a half on up, I think I would start listening to them, especially if they're getting vibes. I think if our older one did it, I would totally believe her. And be like, okay, I'm going with what you're saying. Because yeah. because she doesn't joke like that. No. You know? And if our younger one, even when she is the age of our older one, did it, I'd think, okay, you're BSing me. Just because she does joke like that. She does. She she does demonic voices for fun at two and a half. She does. <laughs> she looks at me. I even have it on tape where she goes, no, Hapa, only Zool. Yeah. <laughs> From Ghostbusters. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, I love it when she does demonic voices. 
you listen to this someday as an adult. Yeah. You'll <laughs> be like, oh my God, these are my parents. Nancy writes in, hi Tony and Jen, love your podcast and listen to and uh, from work every day. I'm Nancy, and the story I want to share happened while living in La Crosse, Wisconsin. We were just starting our family when my husband suffered a financial setback at the loss of his job. We were just getting back on our feet, and he was offered a house to rent with the option to buy. It was a small house in an area too close to downtown for my liking, but he was eager to get the deal and saw it as an investment opportunity. We checked it out, needed a good uh, cleaning, and looked like no one bothered with it for a long time. Other than that, it seemed like a nice little house, and I went along with my husband and his assurance that we could move out whenever we want if we don't like it, and agreed to have our rent go towards purchasing. The instant I stepped into the door on the day we moved our belongings in, I knew we made a mistake. Suddenly, it seemed very dark and confining. I had feelings of anxiety, a bad, heavy feeling, and couldn't place why. At first, there was nothing but the feeling that I hated the place. And little things started happening. On the day of our big Oktoberfest parade, which thousands of people come to take part in, I had a cute little outfit for my two-year-old to wear. I put it in his drawer, and when I went to get it, it was nowhere to be found. I tore everything out, looked in other drawers, the hamper, clothes basket, nowhere. I was disappointed as I dressed him in something else. The very next morning when getting him dressed, there was his outfit right on top. Several other little things disappeared. A gold bracelet that turned up months after I misplaced it, right under the cushion of a rocking chair. I sat in daily, not in the corners, but smack in the middle. My car keys turned up in our mailbox after frantically searching for them to get the kids to their weekly swim lessons. One morning, I woke up and went into the kitchen to find thousands of big black ants marching in lines up and down, covering the walls. I was so upset by this that I scooped up the kids and left for the day, and they were gone by the time my husband came home from work. Never saw them again. We had a cockroach invasion when my husband brought in new lumber for our bathroom remodel. Within days, they were all over the house, and I had to call an exterminator and sign a year contract. The worst and most terrifying thing, though, was the night my husband asked me to load the wood burner in the basement. It was extremely cold that wood burner in the basement. It was extremely cold that night, and I worked in a restaurant and came home late at night. I said I would, as he had done before, or as I had done before. After I got home, I went down to our dreary, dark, dirt floor basement and opened the door to throw some wood in. When I was amazed at what I saw in the firebox was what I thought was a log that had burned in the exact size and shape of a pig. It had a formed body, head, ears, eyes, and the mouth was open with teeth. It glowed red to lighter pinkish to the rhythm of breathing. I was transfixed and could not look away. How was this possible? I couldn't believe my eyes, for at the very least there should only have been embers left from how long it had been since it was filled. How could it look so real? As I stared at it, it glowed redder and redder, and the breathing got faster and faster, and a two-foot flame shot out of the mouth right at me. I slammed the door shut, raced upstairs. The next day, told my husband I was never going down there at night again. I knew no one would believe this, and it took several years before I ever told anyone. We finally were able to find a new home exactly three blocks from this one. When the exterminator was over, I asked him if a larger house would mean more expensive, more expense for his services. He asked me where we were moving and said he had done that house too. 
I asked if it had been uh, pest-ridden, and he said, not of the living kind. He told me some stories his clients had told him about, and so continues my experiences with the spiritual world. More to come. Where did we stay? Why did we stay there? These things seemed to only happen to me, and I knew my husband would never believe any of it, thinking I was crazy. The kids are very small and money was tight, and I believe I did tell him almost daily that I wanted to move. We lived there for ten long years. In an unrelated story to ours, a year or so ago, it came up in the news that a woman was brought to that house supposedly to use a phone and was raped in the basement by a man who was doing remodeling work. Wondering if the evil I think was lurking there had anything to do with it. I'll write in again with some occurrences from our next house. Keep sending chills down our spines. I couldn't imagine the disappointment you felt when the exterminator is like, Oh yeah, that one's haunted too. <laughs> That's awful. Not of the living kind. Yeah. I, there, there's a lot of uh, concepts in that story that we're going to see pop up in horror movies now. The pig in the furnace. Pig in the furnace. Yeah. It's a pig in a furnace. Yeah. That's creepy. Did you just sing that to Dick in a Box? <laughs> yes, I did. Okay. It's a pig in a furnace. <laughs> All right. Remember Pig in a Polk? No. That was uh, on European vacation, how they won their European vacation. Oh, that's right. Yep, yep. I do remember that. Um, but that is just, obviously, that does not sound like any sort of good ghost there. What I wonder about with the objects and moving uh-huh. and things of that nature, do you think they float to their destination or are they transported to their destination? For example, keys in the mailbox. That of all of the things she talked about have to be the most difficult one to explain. Yeah. You know, if we're assuming a ghost did it and they shouldn't like lose him somewhere and somebody knew who they were and they put him back in the mailbox. I'm taking that out of the equation. I'm saying they were in the house somewhere and they got into the mailbox by paranormal means. So, they, the way they got there, do ghosts or the, the dark entity here, did it have to take the keys and did it then drag them out the door and then lift them and put them into the box? Or do these things have the ability to simply, you know, take them out and suddenly they appear there? Transport Star Trek style. I think they transport Star Trek style because we hear all too often about I had something right there. I turned around and when I turned back around, it was gone. It wasn't just being floating across the room at a normal pace. It's just instantaneous that it's either there and, you know, same with like other poltergeist activity where they do things like stack chairs, you know, when you turn around and all of a sudden the chairs are all stacked. You're not watching the poltergeist move the chair and stack it up. Sure. It's just all of a sudden they're in a pile. And it's done. Right. So I think it's instantaneous. Now, how they do that, I don't know. I don't know if it's something because their energy field is touching it that they can then control. Yeah. Because they can can do what they want with themselves. But I'm thinking maybe because they're touching it, they can then do what they want with the object. I've always wondered about that. I think it's instant. Okay. I, I, I... I, I kind of lean your way. Mm-hmm. I, I just I just don't know. You know, it's it's an interesting. Well, I don't know, but that's sure. my guess. Yeah, I'm interested to hear people's thoughts on that one on the message board. Yeah, and if anyone has any insight, thoughts, experiences on it, maybe they saw something trying to be moved. You know, I don't know. I just it'd be interesting to get other thoughts on on that specific uh, 
topic of, of you know ghosts and objects. Yeah. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number. Hi. Hi, my name is Amber. When I was about eight or nine years old, I had a friend from the night. We were very excited. We got to spend the night in the guest room. Very big, had its own bathroom, had a balcony with a door. Very cool. <clears throat> very Anna Green Gables, that's how excited we were about it. So every time this girl spent the night, she would bring home, she would bring over a stuffed animal. She wasn't partial to just one. It was different every time. This time it was a big white dog about four foot four feet high. Something you would win at a fair. Um, anyway, as we were fighting sleep, talking, laughing, um, we were about to fall asleep, and all of a sudden the entire room was just filled with these little orange lights just everywhere. Floor, ceiling, walls, every wall. And we just start screaming. And my dad comes running in, you know, what seemed like forever, but probably 30 to 30 seconds to a minute. And as soon as he gets to the bed, it just stops. And he sits down and he's trying to calm us down. And he's just telling us it was his car driving by, reflecting out the window. And even then, I kind of knew that it wasn't true. We lived in a cul-de-sac. Cars don't just drive by, and even if they did, like, lights don't do that. But he kind of took it for what he said and didn't really bother me because I knew that he wouldn't be able to give me one. So as I grew up, I always kind of kept that story with me, like, with the arguments of there's nothing in this world that can't be explained. Like, I knew there was something because I knew this couldn't be explained with with normal explanations, at least. So, when I got older, I kind of wanted this to discuss it more, um, but me and my friend didn't talk anymore. I had no idea how to get a hold of her. And I realized, oh, I could talk to my dad. I was a little nervous because he might not remember, and even if he did uh, remember us waking him up by screaming, he might just be like, yeah, that didn't happen, Amber. Your memory's wrong. So... When I start talking to him and I tell him the story, his eyes get big and he's like, oh, I remember that night. I remember it well. So his side of the story is that, of course, he was awoken, up, awoken by a screaming. And when he comes into the room, he sees the lights. And when he looks down by the side of the bed, the dog's head is glowing bright orange. And he kicks it over and that's when it stops. So after that, he got in contact with his psychic more on that later and he told me that when he talked to him the guy asked if he ever he bought a weapon recently and he said yes he bought this gun and the guy said oh yeah there's a bad spirit attached to it or something but as I started kind of listening to the podcast and other ghost stories and researching it myself online I realized orange lights are not um, connected with bad spirits. They're generally related to good spirits. Uh, so I kind of, I'm not sure. I'm very skeptic on mediums or psychics. Uh, no matter what. Yeah, my family, we've, I've gone to like one big session with my entire family. Uh, my dad and my grandma go to this one guy who's written some books. So we have some psychic street cred, if you will. 
but I've always been very skeptic of it. I believe there's things that we can't explain, but I believe that people lie as well. So that's kind of like a, a little mixed up for me. But anyways, as I said, I was researching this. I'm not sure if maybe my dad has a story wrong, or maybe this guy's just full of poo. But I'm kind of thinking that it had nothing to do with us, our house, or the gun, but more to do with maybe the stuffed animal or with her, and maybe something good because nothing like that happened in that house to me or my dad, as he said. Um, so he said it was, you know, getting rid of the gun, but I'm kind of thinking that maybe it was not anything to do with that gun. But I really want to know what you guys think. I kind of agree. I think because that happened with her bringing that dog in, and especially with the dad's part of the story of, you know, he saw the dog's head glowing orange. Yeah. I think it had something to do with the dog, and I agree. I don't think it was something necessarily bad, just something attached to that. That maybe the dog was being haunted by something? Yeah. It, you know, this is going to sound weird, but I almost wonder if it wasn't like the spirit of a child or a couple of children that just wanted to hang out with the sleepover. Like, they were just kind of excited, and they're like, hey, watch this. Disco time. And, you know, sure. they showed that. Of course, it scared the girls, but it, it's, yeah. to me, it's an, it's supposed to be as non-threatening as possible for something to show itself. Yeah. I could see that. I think that makes sense. And it uses the kind of the dog as a conduit. Yeah. To, to get there. That's a very interesting story. Thank you for uh, for calling in and sharing that with us. Do appreciate that. Our number, 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. If you like the show, please help keep it on the air. Please become an EPP. Without our EPPs, the show cannot go on and we need more of them to uh, continue doing this show, essentially. So, if you want it to keep going on, please sign up for an EPP membership, realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. Your support helps keep the show afloat and we give you all those bonus episodes 30 of them in total right now and a brand new one every single week. So check that out. RealGhostStoriesOnline.com Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.